Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host and the community producer of Liberty Ballers, Paul Hudrick, and I am joined by, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to get you on here because that's probably bad, right? Like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like jazz is the only other person I've had on our site, but uh, that will be the great Dave Early, who is going to join me today. Dave, how are you, man? How are things? Good. I was starting to think that maybe uh, you and Sean had my bird rights. <laughs> well, they kind of did. Well, I, I will say that because I, I feel like we we had previous conversations about you possibly joining me. And then like at one point, a Dio uh, already had you. And then another time, Sean was going to have you. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll, you know, as the as the leader here, I will uh, allow them to do that. And I will uh, I will step aside and, and allow them to have you for that. But well, we appreciate del- your delegation. I'm trying. I'm trying my best here. Um, so we're, we're going to touch on a lot of things, um, you know, a lot of everything wrapped up last week as far as media availability. We talked to Daryl Morey, talked to Doc twice, talked to all the players at some point or another about the season ending and kind of, you know, what the future looks like. We'll touch on that and what, what the, you know, the roster construction and things that are ahead and what the offseason could look like. Some interesting guys making some interesting comments and slash Twitter likes about the Sixers. And then we're going to touch on the Doc River stuff because it seems worth touching on. Um, we'll get into more of that. But Dave, I want to start with. I guess we'll go from here. It's been what uh, it's been a week. It has been a week. And uh, I guess for you, what stage of grief are you in as we sit here today? Oh, man, I I still have these flashes of hope when I think about Joel Bean's game winner in Toronto and how high my expectations were at that moment. You know, like you have a chance to sweep in the first round. So I think I'm in denial, maybe. That sounds like denial, yeah. I'm having a little nostalgia. I mean, I obviously have already delved into the weeds of some of these apron and hard cap and Beal and Levine, whatever for writing. But I think emotionally I'm still in denial. See, but that might also be a form of acceptance in a weird way. Like you're just like, if you're feeling nostalgic about it, like it's just like, all right, this happened and it's over. And like, yeah, let's not, you know, what is it? Don't, you know, don't, don't be sad. Cause it's over. Be, be happy that it happened or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Better to have loved this team than lost. <laughs> never. <laughs> but no, maybe denial. Like just no, Joel Embiid never broke his face. What are you talking about? That never even happened. Yeah. Skates gates. We got, we got game game four tonight. Right. Like that's it. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been a week it, and it feels like I, cause I had to look and say to myself, like, it's been a week. Cause it feels like it's been way longer than that. Like, it feels like that happened months ago now at this point, maybe that's just because of the season we all went through um, with the craziness, with the Ben Simmons stuff, with the James Harden stuff, with everything that's happened in between. Um, it just felt like, like it, 2020 was a really long season. This somehow felt even longer uh, uh, as someone who covers the Sixers, which is totally bizarre, but I, I want to get into some of the fallout from game six, we don't really have to rehash game six too much because there's really not that much to rehash. They just weren't very good. Um, but a lot of interesting comments made post game. And I guess the first thing I'm going to start with Dave is, is James Harden. He was asked about whether he would pick up that option, the 47 million plus option for next season. He did not say yes, but said in, you know, in no, no uncertain terms, like he will be here. He, he is, he is planning to be here next year. 
when we talked to Daryl Morey the next day, uh, you know, during exit interviews on Friday, same thing. Uh, the plan, he said the plan all along when we made the trade was that James would be here beyond this year, which makes sense because that's a really risky rental to take on and, and not have the time to perhaps make that all work. Uh, so I guess to start, we'll go, what do you see? We've seen a bunch of reporting out of what a James Harden deal could look like. Obviously, he is eligible for that Supermax. I don't envision a scenario in which he gets it here. I don't envision a scenario in which he gets it, quite frankly, anywhere with all due respect to him and the great career he's had. But after that playoff run, I can't imagine there are teams lining up, teams that are lining up and that have cap space to throw $270 million, I think it is, at him. Uh, so just what do you see as fair for Harden? What do you see as fair for the Sixers uh, when you're talking about an extension? Yeah, it's it would be at this point, it would be really crushing as a Sixers fan if he were to opt in. And we we were excited that he might have opted when we first heard about the right. trade. I think your own Weissman said he was opting in and we were like, oh, nice. He's at least here in the next year and then we can hash out. Now it's like, oh, man, if he opts in, they're not going to have wiggle room this summer to improve. Um, I'm look. I'm trying to look at it from, you know, I was looking, listening to that awesome podcast that Jazz did with, was it Lee? Lee Steinberg. Yeah. Or yeah. And trying to put myself in James Harden's shoes. I know he hasn't had an agent over the years. If I was him and I turned down a $208 million extension last October, hoping for a $270 million one. And now I'm hearing, you know, Ramona Shelburne say, maybe a three plus one that totals 120. That's got to be tough. You know, they talk about loss aversion and psychology. It's harder to think you have something and then let it go. If he's willing, and, and if the Sixers had to promise him certain things, you know, like who knows what Michael Rubin said to, to woo him away from Brooklyn and ask out. Or what Meek Mill promised them or what. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the keys to the city, he was probably thinking, all right, my five-year deal is, a foregone conclusion. Uh, can I get 250? Is it going to be 280? Yeah. So now that we're talking like two plus one and three plus one, it would be a big deal for me to not opt in and take half of that. And I'm starting to worry, like if he does not opt in, he may know he's cooked. Like if you wanted to bet on yourself, you'd opt in and say, I'll be a free agent next year. Someone will give me $200 million. And if he, does maybe if he does opt in maybe he's on borrowed time and he could leave next summer so there's a couple ways that it could happen and then you have new worries that arise for you yeah i think you could look at it either way right like if he opts in that could be him saying like all right like i want to cash out now because um i want that 47 million and i whenever we're talking money i mean i can't begrudge anybody for doing whatever they do like that it's your money, man. Like I, I can't ever, you, the contract was signed. That's the contract that was agreed to. So you get your money, you get what you, what you were owed at the time. And that's, that, that is what it is. I, I do. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying about the idea of like, if he doesn't opt in, he's not, not necessarily betting on himself and he's taking something less with, you know, whatever three for 94 for one twenty whatever. But I do. I mean, the guy is going to be 33 years old. I mean, and he has Joel Embiid now as his teammate, who's, you know, you he is in that best player on the planet argument. Maybe James just sees this as all right. Like, this is my last shot. Like, if I can't make this work with Joel Embiid, 
I don't know that there's a better situation for me elsewhere. I tried it with the Nets, with, with, with KD and Kyrie. That didn't work out for me. If I move on from this and I try to find another team, like, where do I go from here? Like, I know it's something that you and I have talked about and we talked about in Liberty Baller Slack, like the Lakers. Like, is there some kind of way he can finagle his way there? Is that is that what he wants? Like, does he want to play with LeBron? Does he want to play with Anthony Davis? Um, and does that even work? Does that make sense for, for those guys? I don't know. Um, but I, 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 I might view, and maybe this is me, maybe this is like kind of a rosy view of it, but like I, I view him as possibly taking that deal. Like, again, like, like I think what you said initially, like the three plus one, for like 120 that last year being that option year, I think that makes the most sense really for both sides because if Daryl Morey, even if it's not, and we're going to get into this, even if it's not that, that, that net, that third or fourth star, however you want to look at it, um, whether like if, if it's that another star you're trying to get, or you're just trying to have more flexibility to try to get a better supporting cast, um, I could understand why James would say like, all right, I, I want to give you some more wiggle room. I've made a ton of money. I want to win. Um, who knows? I, I mean, I guess James Harden is one of those guys, like, at least to me, I mean, you've covered him more than I have, but I feel like he's one of those guys who James Harden is like the only guy who knows what James Harden is thinking. <laughs> like, he just seems like that kind mm. of person. Um, he's just not like, he's not a very expressive person. I mean, he's, he's fine. Like he's cordial with the media, but he's not overly expansive, but that does bring us to the next point. When we talk about the idea of that super team and, Again, whether you view Tyrese Maxey as the inevitable third star or you just look at whoever they might get in as the third star, you did a really good job, I thought, breaking that down um, in a piece the other day, just laying out the case. We've had, you know, Ramona Shelburne, we had Brian Windhorst both say that that's what Daryl Morey is intending to do is to bring in another star player. And given his history, it's hard to not think that that that's got some legs to it, right? So, I mean, I guess we'll start with this question. Do, when you look at it as a whole, because we heard a lot of stuff also in exit interviews and the last, all the stuff about toughness, which we'll get into all the stuff about, you know, them lacking depth and not having enough, you know, Doc Rivers basically admitting, I don't have enough rotational playoff players. Um, do you think the approach should be if they can land a star, let's throw that name out there, Bradley Beal, or, should they look for other avenues to find more of those quote unquote dogs? Yeah, it's a very, very difficult question to answer without knowing some of the, the dogs you're picking from, right? You know, if you ask me this and I have to give you an answer, I'm going with the studs and duds approach. Let me get Bradley Beal or Zach Levine in-house. If I can, maybe I can wrangle up, you know, a, a 10 or a $5 million exception if I didn't know anything, that's, that's the route I would choose. But if you could start to present some alternative scenarios, like are you using an asset? Do you have a taker for Tobias Harris money? And can you come up with a max where now you could distribute that to two or three guys? And I like all of them and, and they're willing to come. Because if you just pick the depth argument end of this, I think you're susceptible to confirmation bias at the end of the summer. You could say, well, there's seven to 10 guys. You wait until September or October and you pick the three best value signings and say, well, they could have just got those three guys. But in reality, you can't because your chances are you're only going to get one of them. You might have to overpay if suddenly at the beginning of the summer, you could get PJ Tucker for 10 million and that takes two other guys off the table. You know what I mean? 
So if you're playing this out in real time, you're probably not going to get all of those values that we will see over the course of the summer. And I think you're better off than just bringing in the borderline all-star and, uh, and feasting on scraps that might trickle down at the end. Right. And that's when Maury was asked about it. And you and I talked about, um, you know, the other day about that one quote that Maury had where he was flat out asked, what does this team need? Or what do you like, what are you most looking to, to get? And he said something about defense. Then he paused for like a good five seconds. It was actually like a little awkward, if I'm being honest. I was like, why is he pausing so long? Um, I remember the moment. Yeah, I was like, it was so on? weird. Um, <laughs> and then he said, like, the reason he said, like, the reason I'm pausing is because I basically like kind of what your argument is. Like, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself and say we need X. And then, you know, if we don't get X, you know, it, or maybe X. X looks like a thing we need now, but if Y is something that might be better and maybe it, it makes X not as big of a deal. Like for instance, like, you know, we're, we're talking, I think it's obvious in this scenario where they would land another star player Tobias Harris has to be gone. Like, like no matter how you look at it, whether it's in a sign and trade, whether it's dumping him to like an OKC, like his money's got to go in order to make this work. And, you know, the question will come up. All right, well, who's your starting for? Well, if Bradley Beal's here with Tyrese Maxey and James Harden and Joel Embiid, I don't really care that much about who my starting four is, or at least not as much as I would have otherwise. Um, right. So I think that's that. I think when Maury says that, I think that's what he's saying is, it, yes, your your roster will be top heavy, but then you don't have as many holes to fill because those four guys are going to play such a huge role, and they're going to make everyone else's job easier and make like I think that's something too with like. With a James Harden, with a Bradley Beal, um, I'd say Maxi's not quite there yet, but Joel Embiid as well. Just making everyone else on the floor, making all their jobs easier. Like I would even consider playing Paul Reed if, if that's a scenario. Like I would consider starting Paul Reed at the four. Tell him to watch a bunch of Jared Vanderbilt the, uh, film from Minnesota this past year. Like just go get a bunch of offensive rebounds, play really good defense, be switchable, um, and then Paul Reed because he does have the touch to do it. If you're wide open, take a three. Um, so, like, I, I, I think it just makes when you get the more st star talent you have, it makes everything easier on the supporting cast. And you could be a little bit more creative and do some different things. Now, I, I would I would agree that you would still need to do something. But like you touched on, if you do that scenario that I just said, where um, let's say it's a, a, a sign and trade where you get Bradley Beal, Tobias Harris is out. You would get that that biannual and in the mid level. So you'd be talking you know, around $10 million, I think it is. And then the other one's around what, like five or six, something like that. Not quite. Uh, yeah. But yeah, four or five, four or five. So then you're looking at like, you could probably get two pretty good players um, or three. If you broke that up exact yeah. or three, right. Or three. And then also you would have, like you said, like the scraps, like you would have some veterans who would come here for the minimum, who would want to play with James Harden, who would want to play with Joel Embiid, who would want to play with Bradley Beal. And yeah. forgive me, Dave, but who for would want to play for Doc Rivers like Andre Drummond last season? Um, yeah. Not that you can bank on that. Right. Because, I mean, that Drummond, they struck gold on that. That was, a, you know, that just really worked out really well. Um, maybe he'll come back. Who knows? But, I think you uh, could bank on a big who cannot shoot or switch wanting to play for Doc, <laughs> knowing he will get all of those minutes. Who that is, is. I don't know. Mitchell Robertson is too good at switching. He's not going to want to play for Doc. That's uh, well played. That's well played. Um, but listen, Andre Drummond in the playoffs, they might they might actually have stolen a game in Miami. Who knows? Um, yeah. Him and James Harden would have been great together, right? That yeah. would have been a great combo. 
Um, but anyway, um, I digress. But we did touch on the idea of toughness and then perhaps trying to acquire some. And we have a you wrote an interesting piece today uh, highlighting two guys who certainly fit that description, right, of that toughness, of that dog mentality. And yeah, uh, would bring a little bit of that in, in Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris. We had Patrick Beverly on ESPN, who was flat out asked, like, what the Sixers need. And then he goes on to describe himself. Oh, which openly I thought, campaigning for a roster spot. Right. While, which I thought, while inked with the, the Wolves. Yeah, it, it, tremendous, just tremendous stuff. And then Marcus Morris liking a tweet when someone writes about the idea of Marcus Morris being a really good fit as that dog guy. And then Marcus liking that on Twitter. And it's like, okay, yeah. as Harrison Grimm, Harrison Grimm, our elite internet sleuth. Um, he finds everything. He, he really does. I don't know that there's anyone better out there at just finding things. Like it's just incredible. For those listening, he'll come on our Slack and be like, so I'm in a Twitter spaces and some, and Mark Stein just <laughs> said, and we'll be like, what? <laughs> dude he does and it. it's great like but and what i love is like it gets all of us talking like it's so good like it's he is like he's like the kindle to the liberty ball or slack fire like yes. he really is like he just gets it all he just gets it all started keep sleeping grim <laughs> but when you look at either of those guys do you see a path? Do either of them interest you? Like, is there one guy you like more than the other? Like, how, how do you kind of view either of those guys as, as like being realistic as, as guys they could get? I, I am erring on the side of no. I think it would be pretty complicated. I think you're looking at the you break Harris down into a couple contracts, right? And so you're talking like three teams here. I don't know where Harris goes. I don't think the Clippers would be interested in him. Um, I could see the road where the Clippers are like, all right, we got Kawhi, we got PG, we just inked Covington, and now we have Powell. This is going to be a, a bit much even for Balmer. Uh, maybe this guy's got to go, and maybe he knows that, so he didn't mind liking you know, some love from his hometown teams. It's something like that. He did hit seven threes in a game seven, and he, he did knee Ben Simmons in the head and pop <laughs> Justin Anderson in the face. So he, he's got uh-huh. some of that fight in him. I have a trouble coming up with these scenarios other than that. Like, are you doing Korkmaz and Thibel and two small contracts to come up with 13 million to get Beverly? Is there some creative solution that I'm not smart enough to think of, but I, I think, no, I think, I think what you're, this is pretty accurate. Yeah. Like this is probably what would have to happen. Um, Cause Morris, yeah. Like you couldn't get the, the Furcon and then stacking other contracts. You couldn't get to Morris most likely doing that, but you could, feasibly get the Pat Bev. Um, I don't know. Maybe you, you could sneak another player in there somehow. I don't know. But then that's, and then yeah. again, that goes back to the idea of if they do something like that, you're going to have to be minimum contract hunting, which again, if you get those guys, you feel better about that. Cause you don't need, you already satisfied those needs. So yeah. Um, You'd have to really value one of them and then go for it. You know, if Danny green were fully healthy, you'd take him at $10 million you could now get in the ballpark for Beverly or Morris, but you wouldn't want to because Green's arguably been better than Beverly anyway. And so that's, you know, you kind of get into this, well, do I really want one of those two guys that badly to make this happen? Yeah, no, and, and they they might. I mean, so Pat Bev obviously has history with a lot of people in the Sixers, as you pointed out in the article today, you know, whether it's Maury, whether it's Doc, whether it's James Harden. Um, Morris has the obvious connection to Philly and to Doc. Him and Joel Embiid haven't always been 
seeing eye to eye on things, I guess is the way I'll put it. Um, I think Joel would be quick to squash that if he thought that Morris was a guy that could help them win. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess the issue, like, so for me, if you're telling me that there is a way, and I don't even mean this to be disrespectful to Tobias Harris, because, I, you know, it's, it's really just a money thing with him. If he was making, if he was actually on Morris's contract, I, I wouldn't feel nearly, uh, I wouldn't be nearly as quick to want to do this. But if you found a third team to facilitate and take on Harris, whether that's a team like OKC that would just be taking on the salary, whether that's a team that maybe views him as a credible player for them, which is not the craziest scenario. Um, and then the Sixers wind up with Morris as their starting four. I, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, I, I do think that he would add like we credit to Tobias because he, he clearly he adjusted and he did. He started taking those quick hit threes and he just he didn't hesitate nearly as much when Harden and B created those, but like, that's not something you would need to remind Marcus Morris of. Like I feel confident he would just be firing. And so that is a benefit. And then, yeah, just adding a little bit more of that toughness and that edge. I, I think there is something there. And then like the Pat Bev thing's interesting because if he, if he wants to be here and depending on how Minnesota views him, Maybe there is a scenario where they would be willing to like if Danny Green, if, if you guarantee Danny Green's 10 million and, and you make that work where if Danny Green can play some games for Minnesota, maybe they view him as a better fit for them um, in one way or another. And if they have him on the roster, it would then be easier to even if he I, I know we, you and I debated about the idea of him actually playing this year and he wants to come back by the all star break, which whether or not that's realistic, probably not at 35 years old, but who knows? But even if you get him, it's easier to retain him for the following season. So if you like him, but yeah, like you said, it, it's it, clearly the way we're talking about it. It's complicated. So you would have to really, really, really want one of those guys in order to make it happen. Um, but both guys, again, the tie in with uh, Doc Rivers. So that could be something. We're going to take a quick break, but more with Dave Early after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And speaking of Doc, Daryl Morey came out very quickly. Howard Eskin asked and Daryl Morey said yes. And then said, okay, we're on to the next question. And then um, kind of when asked to elaborate, he said, yeah, man, I kind of already answered that and we're moving on. So that's the public uh, answer. And then privately from what I've been told, that relationship is actually really good. Uh, Doc and Daryl really get along. I view it as perhaps one of those situations where Daryl likes the idea that he, that him and Doc think differently. And I think a lot of good managers, bosses do that. They hire people that have a different mindset to them so that their ideas, they, they're kind of bouncing stuff off each other and looking at it from different perspectives. But there's still that Lakers noise out there. The Lakers still don't have a head coach. The Charlotte Hornets also don't have a head coach, even though Mike D'Antoni has been the favorite for what, like a month now. Um, and they just started conducting. I think they had Terry Stotts in. Is it Darvin Hand they're bringing in for a second interview? Yep. Yeah, so the, so they're 
clearly looking around as well. And the Lakers front has really, to me, I don't know, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like it's been pretty damn quiet on the Lakers head coaching front recently. Um, I know they interviewed him as well, I think. But like, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase it, but like, and then we had, I, I guess you saw it, the, the Woj, uh, the Woj report that basically keep an eye on the Lakers when it comes to Doc. So do you, is there smoke here to you? Or do you think this is all just like guys leveraging? Like, how do you kind of, what's your read on the whole situation? Yeah, I, I sense that the relationship between Daryl and Doc uh, in terms of maybe interpersonally, it's fine, but I don't think from a basketball perspective, it's as smooth as they want us to feel it is. Because when you think of the history, you know, you have Daryl saying things like, I want to, I want them to get really experimental and surround Ben Simmons with shooters. And then we watch like four or five months of Ben Simmons plus Dwight Howard. And so there were a lot of head scratching moments where you thought like that he brings in Tolliver and Doc's like, well, what do you want me to do? Bench Tobias. And the fan base was screaming, no, bench Mike Scott. And I just feel like there's these little notes every once in a while. And then those were magnified in the following season where Daryl is saying Ben Simmons is a top 30 player in this league. He's a top 25 asset. And you got Doc every few weeks saying, you know, he, you know, he doesn't, he can't handle the truth. He's his camp is like Trump supporters. So it makes me think that there's something about this group and you read, you follow all the reporting. I think your own Weitzman wrote like doc was skeptical when they were first going to hire Daryl in the first place. I don't think that that's been a great fit. I don't think when Daryl signs a guy like Deandre Jordan, he thinks, well, this dude should get all the minutes and never experiment with Paul Reed and Charles Bassey. Well, then he shouldn't have signed him. And that's fair. So I think that there's something about the working relationship that makes both of these guys look a little bit, worse than we might otherwise see in a better fit and you hear daryl go all in on analytics and someone who could reassess in real time and then doc say stuff like well analytics is why Jokic is your mvp you know that stuff is too far blown what is inverse variance no thanks <laughs> so i think there is real noise i think the sixers are gonna you know when Woj says stuff like they're gonna meet and they're gonna talk about the future and they're gonna make sure they're all aligned i think what he's saying is the sixers are gonna lay out a path where maybe the front office has a larger say in certain things, maybe the rotation card. And if Doc doesn't love it, he can certainly, you know, explore alternative scenarios. If suddenly uh, living in LA appeals to him more than a possibly new tweaked arrangement in Philly, you know, then that would save the Sixers a a whole lot of money. Right. So he can go to the Lakers where no one in LA will surely want to tinker with his rotations or have any advice for him as far as the front <laughs> office or any of the players. You'd have to be on board with LeBron's program, but uh, <laughs> and, Kurt similar, and <laughs> whoever yes. else. Um, no, but you and I, I mean, I, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on, on where doc and Daryl are because from people I've talked to, like they have a, they have a really good relationship and, and, you know, and, and even l- linking back to when Daryl was in Houston, he was interested in hiring Doc Rivers. And I, I think part of the reason Daryl came here on top of, of course, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were the, the biggest reason. And he saw what the roster could be. And, you know, and then also to be a little closer to home, I think, was appealing to him as well. And, um, you know, his daughter obviously just graduated. I think she was from went to NYU. So, like, I mean, I think clearly much closer than Houston. So I, I think all of that was certainly appealing to him. And it seems like there's they've been trying to 
they, they tried to, I recall years ago, they tried to get an interview with Daryl Moore when he was still in Houston and the Rockets wisely denied them of that. And, but I, and I, but I do think part of the reason he came here too is that he wanted the opportunity to work with doc. I think these two guys have wanted to work together. I don't think that's a crazy thing. Like they have a history. They were both in Boston together. You know, Daryl was coming up at the time and doc was the head coach, but they have a history. They know each other. And I think they've wanted to work together and they have now with that said, um, they've wanted to work together. Could it maybe not be going as either of them thought? Maybe that's possible. I will say I, 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 I and, and again, I, I've been told and it's the Sixers are saying up and down doc rivers is our coach. He will be our coach next year, but I, that Lakers opening still being open. It makes me wonder because I think doc, like, it would have like they're not like I'll put it this way they're not firing Doc like that's not happening like he is not getting fired he's he is the coach of the Sixers if he wants to be the coach of the Sixers like that's I I feel like we can both agree on that like he if he wants this job he will be here next year yeah with that said if he wants to explore options if the Lakers are a thing if he wants to play golf because he loves golf and he loves the nice weather and um, as he joked to us, he thinks the perfect job in the world is to be a, a weatherman in San Diego, which man, it's hard to argue with. I don't know if you've ever been to San Diego, Dave, but it's, I have, it is a wonderful, wonderful place. I love um, my time there. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And so I would, uh, I get that totally understand the zoo that. Is even fun. <laughs> What's that? The zoo is beautiful. Oh yes, it is. The zoo is great. Um, and the beaches you can't go wrong. Like the entire beach is beautiful. Uh, a lot of good craft beer in that region too, which appeals to yes. me. Um, but yeah, uh, it's if he wants to be in LA, could they facilitate that? I I would not be surprised if that happens. But again, I I think the ball is in Doc's court. If Doc wants to be the coach of the Sixers, he will be the coach of the Sixers. If for some reason, whether it's something you just cited about roster personnel rotation wise, whatever. Yeah, do you think the that, Sixers could make his? position in Philly just a little bit less enticing this offseason like I, all right well we want to give the front office a little bit of say so that if we see you're playing Jordan we're going to step in and say you can't do that so I, I think like legitimately I know this too like Darren Doc Doc talk like every day like that's not an exaggeration they talk all the time so, so like is Doc is Daryl not as like, did, did he lose some of his edge from when he was in Houston where he can't see the plus minus on some of these lines, like the all <laughs> bench stuff, the bench listen, whites? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Um, but I, I do. Uh, but I'll say this, too. I feel like Daryl is very. And I and I think he was like this in Houston. For the most part, it's I hired you like you're the coach. Coach, like I'm the GM. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna or you know basketball with president, whatever. I'm gonna find the players, and here you go. And it's up to you. Like basically, I, you know, I'm gonna separation for, of church and front office right, stage. Like, right. I'm gonna buy the groceries. You're the chef. You cook the meal up. Like that kind of a thing. Um, and so when Daryl goes out and you know picks up DeAndre Jordan, he is then entrusting Doc to use him how he sees fit. So. If that was a concern that Daryl had, that if he signed DeAndre Jordan, that Doc wouldn't go with Paul Reed, that he wouldn't use Charles Bassey, 
that Darren Worry, frankly, just should not have signed DeAndre Jordan. Like that's you know what I mean? Or, like or give him the Willie Cauley-Stein 10 day treatment. Exactly. Like it's just if you're if you didn't if, if that was your thing, like if you really didn't think DeAndre could help you and your concern was that Doc could play him too much, then you wouldn't have signed him. And then also, I think it's not, you know, Darren Morey kind of subtweeting the fan base every time DeAndre Jordan did something at the end of the regular season and there was a highlight, he would share it on Twitter. Like, I, I'm that felt like a pretty strong, like, hey, like, uh, this is, this is, this is good. This is what I want, even though <laughs> I don't know why it is what he wanted, but it, it, it was apparently. Um, but I'll let you get last word. What, so, do you think? When it's all said and done, where Doc Rivers is he the head coach of the Sixers or is he the head coach somewhere else? Yeah, I think it's a safe bet to pencil him in as a Sixers head coach. I do think the guaranteed money is the biggest reason that that is the case. I think Daryl essentially, you know, you pointed out like he wanted to coach with this, he wanted to work with this guy. I think he basically knew what he was signing up for when he took that. And, you know, look, we're two years into a five year deal, let's at least give him the third year. I think that's the main reason. And when you hear, you know, Woj, Ramona, Fisher, everyone cites the money as, you know, a huge reason of why. And the next thing they talk about is the ascension that Joel Embiid has had. So I think Doc will be here. I think the money's a big deal. I, yeah. And I wonder too, when you talk about Joel and his ascension, like continuity is not nothing, you know, like um, not to say you should keep a coach that you think is bad, just, just for the sake of continuity, but um, there is something there with like, I, I don't know. And I feel like a lot of times like a third year is kind of a big year. Maybe I'm just making stuff up in my head, but I feel like that third year is kind of the year. And then I think the way you justify it from the Sixers side of things, because listen, I, I, I me personally, I, I'm not convinced that Doc Rivers is the right coach for this team. I'll say that. Like, I'm not, I, I don't know that he is, but there is a fair argument to make if you're the Sixers for giving him another season, because you're giving him a clean slate with a healthy Joel Embiid going into the next season with hopefully a healthy James Harden with Tyrese Maxey taking another step forward. And then you will have hoped either, you know, one way or another, the roster will also be improved. Um, hopefully significantly on um, whether that's significantly with a star or whether that's significantly with um, that added toughness and just more guys that are playoff basketball players. So we will see, but we're going to have plenty more for you guys this off season. We've already got a bunch of stuff up on libertyballers.com. Um, Dave has a couple excellent pieces, so please check those out. And we're going to have plenty as well, Jazz and the guys on the podcast network. So make sure you're uh, rating, subscribing, downloading, all that fun stuff. This has been the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers podcast network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you. All right, man. That was good. I More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.